Hello, everyone. Welcome to A Seat at the Table podcast. I'm your host, Bianca Heron, lead editor at HR Daily Advisor. This podcast focuses on diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace, featuring thoughtful conversations and insight from experts, change makers, and leaders from the business world. Today, I am super excited, super pleased, actually, to be joined by Jennifer Armstrong Owing. Not only is she the VP of People at Talent Platform Seek Out, but she also has more than 20 years of experience in the tech industry, and she continues to dial in on the HR issues companies of all sizes are facing. Jennifer was also recently featured in our Faces of HR column, where we had a very, very lovely conversation about her background and experiences. You can find that link within this post on our website, so please be sure to check that out after this. You don't want to miss any of those gems, people. Jennifer, welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks, Bianca. I'm so excited to be here. I so enjoyed our first conversation and so looking forward to our conversation today um, with even more, you know, knowing that it's going to be a fun one and and a provocative one. Oh, yes. Come on, provocative. I'm always here for it. (laughs) Jenny, please tell me, what is your definition of having a seat at the table? You know, it's interesting. Seat at the table is such a, a powerful, you know, four words. And I think that over the last, my last 20 years, my definition, my own personal definition of that has changed because I've seen a lot of change in, um, in the business world and corporate America, especially with respect in the tech industry about what does that really mean? And I think, you know, I think we fought, you know, I think HR practitioners and leaders fought for a long time to be seen as business business partners and, and people who can impact the business and understand the business. And, you know, I had the same mindset um, that I wanted to prove, you know, that I, that I was a, a full-fledged member of the, of the businesses and which is very true. And that's, that was great when we reached that point, but now we've shifted. I feel like this is the beautiful thing about progress is that we're constantly reinventing every facet of life, right? Personally, professionally. And I think that a seat at the table now means something very different to me personally. It means that we've, we've gotten to a place where we can't, we can't separate the business from the people, because the people are the business. And so everything we do as an executive team, which that's the table, everything we do as an executive team is inextricably linked, you know, with both business and people. And so it means that every decision, every conversation, every strategy, every tactic, there is a business business side to that and there's a people side to that. And I feel that that's what really having a seat at the table means is that we are we are approaching every situation with that duality in mind and we see them you know as as crit- both critically important and and you cannot have one without the other so i think that for me is what where i am right now is that i don't have to make the case of why people are important people are important it's the number one the number one facet of every company. I love that. So many amazing, beautiful things that you just said there. Uh, But the thing that stands out to me most, I loved how you said the beautiful thing about progress. Mm -hmm. We make a big fuss about progress. We make a big fuss about change and we see it as this 
thing that doesn't make us happy, happy or do things that we want, don't want to do. But that's the silver lining there that you just mentioned, the beautiful thing about it. That's amazing. Progress. I mean, I, I say this all the time here. Um, we need to be about progress, not perfection. And I think that's, I think so many folks want things to be perfect to, in order to change. Like that's the promise of change. Well, it's going to be a better, you know, it's going to be perfect. And it's like, no progress is the perfection from my perspective, because as long as we are moving forward, as long as we are all growing and learning, that's progress, but you can't stay static. Nature abhors a vacuum. And, you know, when we don't change, it creates a vacuum of sorts and, you know, no good can come from a vacuum to be quite honest. So, and I want to be learning when I'm 90, by the way, like I don't ever want to stop learning, right? That's learning and growing has got to be an essential part of this human experience, both within the work world and, and also personally. Absolutely. Absolutely. How can HR leaders and organizations rework their company culture to make it more inclusive and foster belonging? It's a great question. And I, um, I have spent one of the reasons why I came to seek out, um, uh, you know, at this point in my career is uh, I have very little patience for um, having to try to, to um, remake cultures that are fundamentally broken. And that might sound, you know, that might sound harsh, but I think that we all get to a point in our careers where we get much more, you know, focused on what is the work that brings us joy, what is the work that, that sustains us and is very intrinsically linked to who we are as people and what, what we want to achieve. And I think culture is one of those words and, you know, that has so many different meanings. And for me, culture is really what are the behaviors we repeat the most? Because honestly, it is culture is a aggregation of the way we all behave. And when I met our CEO, Anup Gupta, um, our first three conversations had nothing to do with people programs. It had everything to do with values and culture and um, what he was, you know, he and his co-founders wanted to build here, which is, you know, a very uh, people first. I mean, we're in the HR tech space, so we already, our product is people first, but even from a way we build the company, valuing people over anything else. And our culture is one of gratitude. We spend 15 minutes every all hands meeting, talking, sharing gratitude for each other and embracing vulnerability. And the stories that have come out of that have really normalized sharing tough stuff. And we've had folks who've, you know, wanted to share their you know, their um, stories of recovery from addiction. We've had folks who've wanted to share stories of, you know, painful losses in their lives. And that, from me, that, from my perspective, it, around inclusion and belonging is critical because we've normalized that life is challenging and difficult, but also something to be celebrated. And that cuts across all you know, facets of diversity and, um, and community groups. Um, I also think the other, the other aspect of what you and I were talking about a little bit before was, you know, diversity and equity have to be values 
for a company. It can't be a, it can't be something you see as an ancillary, you know, program or, or process around, you know, making, you know, having more diverse, diverse, um, employees, you know, having more diversity across your whole team, that's really critical. But where it starts from is, do you have a value around that being the right thing to do, the, the, the imperative thing to do? I mean, so I was thinking about this before we, I came on and I was thinking about how you can know something in your head, but, but it isn't until you really know something in your heart that those two things can really work in tandem together and they and the, and the heart provides the energy and the motivation for the way you express it and you build it and so i i, I probably am getting a little too esoteric but but for me um building a diverse company means number one we have inclusion and belonging that people feel safe here people feel seen here people feel valued here um, and then that will, and because of that and the way that we see, you know, um, diversity as, you know, our company should reflect the world around us um, and our should reflect our customers, should reflect the communities where we live and work. Um, and then that heart and that mission drive you to achieving that and working toward that. Not that you would ever achieve it because it's always going to be a work in progress. That was a lot. I don't know. I covered a lot of ground. <laughs> did uh, but again that's that's the beauty of it all of, of i'm finding that's the beauty of, beauty of it all when you express yourself i love that mm -hmm. wow okay for an hr leader who maybe let's say would like to get there where do they start what how do you shift that lens if you will that perspective to to get there how where do you start because you can't start with it all no you can't I have two two question two answers to that question, and they're they're going to be pretty different. But I think, at least in my experience, I feel like there's there's always the practical, and then you know something tangible you can do, and then there's something that um, that you as a leader can do. And so I'll start with what you can do as a leader. Um, one of the things that I have found, you know, the longer that I am in this, um, and and I do think this is where the culture and, and of, you know, if, if we think about what employees want, what we all want is we want transparency. We want authenticity. You know, you and I've talked about Brene Brown again um, before. Um, we want to be vulnerable leaders because that's what that's what resonates for folks, because we're all people at the end of the day, regardless of what your job is. And I will say this company that our employees at the way they show up on our all hands meetings and they're vulnerable and they have these moments i actually was able to share a lesson that i learned in being vulnerable because i had found myself slipping back into a pattern of behavior that i learned at my very first startup um, where it was perfection not progress and uh, you know, progress didn't count; only perfection did. And I had found myself slipping back because you know, when you're high stress, you know, building a hyper growth startup is a lot of stress. 
And when we are stressed, we start to go back to muscle memory, right? Like we just start operating, you know, with that, which we did the longest sometimes, right? Even though we might've said, oh, I've put that behind me. And I found myself having a moment where I realized, and I asked a trusted person, I said, hey, tell me if I'm being too critical. And before I could even say about what the topic was, she said, yes. And I was like, oh, I am late to my own self-awareness party. And I was able to, it was something that really got put on my heart that I wasn't showing up as my best self. And I actually talked about it at an all hands meeting. And I, and I, cause I wanted to normalize, Hey, we're not perfect. Leaders aren't perfect. You know, no one's perfect. And it's okay to be vulnerable and say, Hey, I messed up and I want to do better and I want to be held accountable. So I'm going to tell all 200 and, and 200 plus of you that I encourage you, if you see me being too critical, you know, um, to, 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 you know, to, to let me know. Right. So I think it's like that whole getting your heart in the right place and being able to allow yourself to learn because this is hard work. What we're doing is hard. And it's a lot of feeling uncomfortable and getting comfortable with uncomfortability is the best thing we can do for ourselves as leaders, number one. So that was my one end of the scale. On the practical side of the scale, um, I, I, we were able finally to hire someone I've been wanting to, to, to work with us for um, about a year. Um, she's our senior DEIB um, strategy and enablement manager. And one of the first things she did when she came in and did an audit and realized, like, what do we need to do internally to build our, you know, to build this muscle in, in a way that's like so strong that everybody's muscles get stronger together, which is that's the goal. We created a DEI um, mission statement. And I think that's something that's very um, important. Like it goes back to that whole value. Like, is this your value? Do you have a value around this? Just like you have a mission statement for your company, having a mission statement for your, your belief around DEI will help build that, that foundation. It gives you a great foundation to then build the process and the programs on and the way you talk about it, because everything goes back to that. And I think a lot of companies have done this, but what I would encourage is like, really let that be living and breathing in everything you do. Revisit it often, right? Share it with your, share it with everyone. Um, get feedback about it. Um, you know, continue to wordsmith it over time, right? These val these mission statements do need to, you know, be living, breathing, you know, organ, you know, organisms because organizations are living, breathing organisms because they're people. I love that. Great advice. Chills all around. You can't see them or feel them, but they're happening. <laughs> Thank you, Bianca. It's great. It's a great topic. I, I, I mean, I, you and I've said this before. We could talk for hours about this. Absolutely. I, I love that. I love that. And, and of course, something I'm, I think I pointed out last time in our conversation as well when you were talking about these things specifically. But it, there's a lot of, uh, like you said, accountability for yourself, self awareness, but allowing others to help you be accountable as well. So, uh, technically, a uh, um, an accountability buddy, if you will, right? There's grace, there's uh, compassion. There's all these things we need to have for ourselves and for others today. Absolutely. And, you know, when people, when, when employees see leaders being 
willing to embrace their shortcomings and the areas where they have for growth, it normalizes the process for this is, we are all want to be continuously improving, right? And there's safety in there. That's, that's psychological safety from my perspective. I know when I had a, a leader say to me the first time, I, I'm not, I messed up. I was like, oh, this relief, you know, like this relief that, you know, mistakes aren't fatal, right? Mistakes are opportunities. We, you know, it's trite, but, you know, we learn way more from our mistakes than we learn from our successes. Absolutely. And great segue here. Uh, Where do you see corporate culture headed? And my curveball, if you don't like where you see it headed, where would you like to see it go? I think I I am encouraged what I see. I I do. I am encouraged by a lot of the progress. I think there has been a general, you know, and we talked about this previously, but there is a general like wake up call that happened, you know, at the start of COVID and, you know, where we all were sequestered and, and, you know, really were given the opportunity to more closely you know, focus on what was going on from a racial inequality and, you know, tragedies. And I feel like that was a moment where people in corporate America, especially leaders, started to realize that we have to lean in, that we are not just we are just not a business with these walls that go up and that we're just while we're at work, we focus on our, you know, our product, our customers, our employees, it's like screen doors, right? Like we now are like have screen doors. And it's interesting. I had someone say to me a couple, you know, a while ago, like, cause we were communicating about so much of the, you know, the things that have happened this last summer and spring, which it was like that series of shootings and I mean, horrible shootings and, and, um, and we were communicating, we were opening up that space um, to acknowledge it and, and talk about it. And I did have someone say to me, I think employees want, you know, want to want to be, um, you know, that they, they don't want the news in the office. And I said, no, I actually think that, you know, most people do want to know that these are impactful things. And they, if they impact, you know, if they impact us personally, then we should, they impact us, you know, professionally as well. Again, we're all the same people in inside or outside. And I think that we're still finding our way around that corporately. You know, I think that it's, that's going to constantly be, you know, um, a challenging, you know, road to navigate, but I see a willingness and I see embracing the fact that we're not, there are no solid walls anymore, that there are screens and um, that we have to let things in and we have to push things out, that we have great power to make statements. Like I'm always so encouraged when I see, you know, a Fortune 50 company come out and take a stand on something and put a statement out there. And, you know, some folks, you know, I think this is this whole change thing. Change is uncomfortable. Like a lot of folks want to see, you know, just like the separation of, you know, you know, our business from our from our our larger, you know, um, society. And I just think they can be mutually reinforcing. I don't see them as it's one or the other. And so um, 
I think it is really important. I also think it's incredibly important and I see it happening more and more, but this whole attention to DEI, it, it, it has to be part of the DNA of the company. And that means if it's in your DNA, it means it's in your heart because we're like one body and we're all connected. And like, to me, that's the one thing I would want is that if we have leaders who don't, who think of it as a people program, um, my goal, my goal would be that every leader <laughs> in every company would actually have to answer the question for themselves that this is a value that I have personally because I understand the situation. I understand our history. I understand our, um, I understand, uh, you know, the, the science of it. I understand the heart of it, right? It's all those three things that you have to bring to under, to, to really be a full practitioner and, and advocate for, having this as a value in your company. Absolutely. I love that. And I'm so glad that you brought it back around because I was going to bring it back around. <laughs> about, I, I always bring it back around with you. <laughs> <laughs> bringing it back around about how, you know, you have to have DEIB as a value because that's what it's about. And like you said, if it's here in your heart, if it's, if it's at the forefront of your mind as well, because that's where everything starts to, you know, uh, and of course making it a value, your personal value. You can't miss with it. You can't. You have to, you have to, you have to. And today there's just no, I mean, this is the provocative statement, but there's no excuse for it not to. Like if you're a leader of people, that is something that everyone needs to um, consider as fundamental, as a core fundamental leadership value and principle. Um, Because there's just, that's just, that's just the reality when you say people first means all people and it means doing the best we can um, for the people that we have and the people that we want to have. Yes, I love that. I almost started singing Earth, Wind and Fire. That's the way of the world. I thought it was perfect here. It was perfect. (laughs) They were awesome. I grew up with them. (laughs) Amazing, amazing band. Uh, Jennifer, I have one more question for you. But before I ask you that, is there anything else that you'd like to add or talk about? I think the only thing I would add is um, is that progress, not perfection, takes a lot of patience too. And so that's one thing I would I would I would add to this is often when I talk to people, especially folks who are struggling to understand some of the core tenets of you know DEI and B, which we call it here, but like even understanding privilege and understanding some of those really, um, you know, uh, core, core principles you have to understand so that you can actually make progress um, is that we're all on a continuum. We're all, you know, this, this is a continuum. And I often say it this way, like, you don't have the right not to be on the continuum. You have to be on the continuum somewhere on your DEI and B personal journey, right? But as long as you're on the continuum and you're making progress, that is what's important, is that you're moving to the right, right? And, and then we've all intersected with this at different places. We all come at it from different places. You and I come at it. We've had different histories. We have different, we have different you know, foundations. Um, but the, but the reality is when you 
when you understand it's a journey, then you can have a value around letting your your mind expand and you can understand, you can take in more. And I just think a lot of people are, are fearful of it. I think that, you know, the, all the things that we hear all the time, you know, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to do the wrong thing. But that fear can never be a reason to keep us from making progress. So again, mistakes aren't fatal. They provide us opportunities for, um, for, progress. And so being patient with yourself, but also expecting yourself to move on that continuum is super important. I love that being patient with yourself, but also expecting yourself to move. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. I love that. My final question for you, Jennifer, what's on your heart? So much is always on my heart. I feel like I had a, I had a, I had a leader tell me once that I wore my heart on my sleeve too much. And I, I, I told my boss uh, that that was never going to change. So I do, I do embrace, I do come at this from a very whole heart perspective. Um, I think what's on my heart right now is that um, we have, we cannot, we can't get weary doing this work. And so we have to find ways um, just being, you know, on Friday I was at um, uh, a people leader summit um, uh, on Friday with other people leaders from our VC's portfolio. And I didn't realize how weary I was at the time, or just even how, like, I just needed to be around people who shoulder the same responsibilities and, and, and walk going, walking into that room. I felt, you know, I felt very much like my whole like decompression started to happen, you know, and started to shed kind of some of the stuff that, that, you know, we've been, you know, just working, you know, building a hyper growth company. And, and all of a sudden it was, it was very comforting to be around folks who are doing the same work. So on my heart right now, I think is for anyone doing work in this space for people, leaders in general, just make sure you're taking time for self-care, which also includes being around folks who you have an affinity for, who can understand. Because it can be a tough, it can be a, a lot. Someone said to me on you know Friday, you know, it's a lonely job um, at times because you're kind of in a unique situation. And, um, you know, most of the people I know in this role um, work with their head and their heart. And um, I think it's, taking care of yourself and finding folks that you can, um, you know, uh, not commiserate with, but, but get, draw energy from and inspiration from is really critical. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. Oh my goodness. I, I almost spawned off into something else, but I won't take you down that road, Jennifer. I won't do it. <laughs> no, I'll follow you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was just going to talk about how it sounds like you want to be around like-minded people, right? It sounds like you want to be where if, if you're coming in with a willingness to get something done and that mindset uh, and you have this self-compassion and self-patience and all that, you want to be in a room where that's also filled and you're, you're getting that same yeah. energy and connection, you know, and yeah. belonging. Yeah. I love that. And I think as COVID, you know, as, as in-person starts to open up again, it is a great opportunity to... Yeah get re-anchored because I think it's been a lonely time. It's been hard over the last two and a half years 
to to create that community and um i just put posted i posted a a a slack to the company we were talking about um building more cohesion and connection in a remote environment and i i used a very uh pithy um uh sentiment from a trader joe card i bought which is there is unity in community and so finding your community um is really important having a community at work having community professionally in your you know in your being able to hone your own your own personal skills in this area um unity and community it's super important absolutely I love that. Oh my goodness. Jennifer, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for being here with me today. Thank you so much for your heart for this work too, Bianca. I just really appreciate you. Every time I see you, I just get excited because I know we're going to have a great conversation about things that really matter. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you and and thank you for those kind words. I feel like we're going to go back and forth now with the flowers, but it's okay. (laughs) That's what we do. And laughing. Laughing is super essential to this journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Of course, another great episode here uh, to our listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And remember, you can listen to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Again, I'm Bianca Heron. Join us next time at the table. And as always, we'll have your seat waiting for you.